it is 6 a.m. in New York, 1 p.m. in Johannesburg, and 6 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to the Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Schneider Bean from sundaybean.com, and I am bringing to you today a special episode that was actually originally recorded in Doha, Qatar. I am a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations, and I am on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. All great changes are preceded by chaos. This quote from Deepak Chopra takes on a unique meaning. When I look back when this was originally recorded at the start of March and now reflect on it at the end of April, COVID-19 has completely introduced chaos into industries that rely on face-to-face contact and mobility. Your own life might be through that phase of chaos and you're looking to create new changes. So this episode of Expat Happy Hour is taking a special look at how can we use this chaos to invite changes that are going to be best for all going forward, specifically when it comes to the relocation industry. I had the pleasure of meeting with country manager from Expat Woman, Christine Spare, face-to-face in Doha back in March before this entire COVID thing accelerated greatly. She is a managing director of, and has been the managing director of multiple big name relocation companies, including Santa Fe Relocation, Crown Relocation, the Pasha Group, and Rider Relocations. If you're an expat, you understand how important the role a relocation company can have in your life. If you are an organization, you understand how the relocation service provider is like a partner for you when you're moving your families and talent across the world. So this episode is a sneak peek with an expert in relocation, giving you an idea what happens behind the curtain. Because Christine Spare has heard and seen things from the inside of being in a relocation company. Myself, I'm the one who serves the organizations and the individuals from behind the curtain, meaning I'm privy to things that maybe your employees don't dare tell you. One thing to say about before we listen to this episode, it relates to um, my episode, Raw Edges of Entrepreneurship, episode 166, how things don't quite go as planned. When I landed in Doha, I found out that my podcast microphone was not being read by my Mac. So you'll notice there's the quality of the audio is some a little bit different than normal because we're sitting side by side with a social distance um, during the interview rather than recording into two direct microphones. So now I'm going to let you listen to the interview that I had with Christine. What I want you to do is think about how is this the beginning of a conversation? If you're in relocation, If you're in a corporation who hires relocation companies, let's say you're in learning and development and work directly with expats, or even if you're a coach serving expats or the one as the family member who gets sent abroad, what is it that's working with the relocation industries you've had contact with? What's not? 
what has to change. Listen in to the conversation between Christine and I, and then my invitation to you is stick around to the end to hear how I'm contributing to changing the relocation industry, and I want to hear your ideas on what you think should be done as well. So have a listen. Thank you for being on Expat Happier today, and it's here to have you right in person. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. We're practicing social distance today. Yes, we are. (laughs) Because this episode is being um, recorded during uh, the whole coronavirus situation that's rapidly changing. Um, So if you're listening to this much later, um, it'll be interesting to have context. If you listen to it live, you're probably wondering, wow, how come she's in Doha and not home? (laughs) So that's another story. That's last week's <laughs> podcast. So, um, Christine, tell us, I'm so curious. You have had amazing leadership responsibility in the Middle East. Well, thank um, you. I want to know more about you. Like, oh. how did you get to do what you're doing? Well, um, it all started when I was at university, and I felt the need to just get out, get anywhere. So I went on Semester at Sea, which is a university that goes around the world, and you study each country. And from there, I decided to dedicate um, my time, which was logistics space and schooling, mm-hmm. but dedicate it to more toward the human element of logistics. And there's no better way to do that than right. to go into relocation because it's um, highly emotional. Mm-hmm. You have uh, different people, different scenarios, different situations every day. Mm-hmm. But then you still have the technical aspects of logistics, of shipping, of customs, of uh, you know country regulations. So mm-hmm. it, it was kind of the... the perfect storm, the, the best hybrid mm-hmm. for my interest level. And um, I worked in the United States for Grable and loved it. And we secured a large uh, project for Procter & Gamble to do their expatriate services mm-hmm. restructuring in Asia. And at the time, I asked my mentor, Bill Grable, can I please go overseas <laughs> as an expat? I really need to try this. You know, I, I have the theory, but I need to experience it. And he supported me. And how 18 years ago I left America and haven't been back and have yeah relocated around the world doing yeah. this and supporting people who are, are, are moving globally. So I have kind of a provocative question. Yes. When you say the human side of logistics, mm-hmm. I definitely see the human side of the logistics when it comes to relocation. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe education has changed since then or maybe the business is changing, but how aware are they of the human needs in relocation Mm. over logistics? That's a good good question. I I believe to be in this industry, you should have qualities like empathy, um, understanding, uh, relativity, so that you can relate to people. However, I find that sometimes in our industry, the people that are supporting global mobile families are, haven't experienced it themselves. Mm-hmm. So they do lack that intelligence um, to, to support them in the best capacity. We can all read country guides. Mm-hmm. We can all give information off of a computer screen. Uh, but to truly understand uh, what somebody's going through with their children, putting them into schools, feeling isolated, feeling afraid, I think you almost have to experience it yourself. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Yeah, and that's the big question, I think. I mean, I can't I can't expect of the reload industry that everybody in the mm-hmm. business has lived abroad or expats or mm-hmm. whatever, but my hunch is from my experience with my clients is that mm-hmm. they could be doing more um, to listen to what 
their clients' concerns are yes. or to respond. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about good things in the relocation <laughs> industry too. But before we do that, I know my listeners are like, everything's broken. Yeah. <laughs> but you have a global network. Right? Yeah. So I think that companies need to encourage the utilization of that network mm-hmm. better. You have colleagues that sit in all of these locations. If somebody has a concern or has a specific need, it's taking that initiative and being proactive and helping them, connecting them to the right people. I'm not saying that expat woman's excellent for yeah. that, but you know, there are organizations, there are colleagues, there is an mm-hmm. infrastructure that exists, but it takes that extra step out of a, of a you know, a work day to, right. to do it and know where to go. Well, I mean, I, I empathize with people who are in headquarters, whatever organization mm-hmm. they're at. I've been there, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I was um, the head of intercultural management and I think our company was present in 23 countries and I developed programs and I don't, you know, how much on the ground questioning did I do in those 23 countries, right? Like it is easy to come to work, badge in, badge out, have your coffee, do your thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I get it. I totally get it. Right. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? Well, there's a couple of things that are going through my mind. What do you think needs to change that is so slow to change? The industry just needs a nudge to get to the other side. Well, I think that a lot, I mean, it's it kind of relates to this, but it is quite different. So I'm going to take it off a topic mm-hmm. of what we're talking about now. But I think the industry hasn't kept up with the demographics of the people that are relocating. Mm. So I, you know, our bread and butter for many years were the expat family who had traveled, um, who are career assignees, who go yep. from one country to another to another, um, accumulate things, stuffs, mm-hmm. possession, collections, and movies. And mm-hmm. so uh, those traditionally or historically have been with um, large oil companies or mm-hmm. companies that have been overseas for quite some time. And this was a natural pro- progression or career path for their right. for their workforce. So um, we've always been focused on this, but we're not focusing on the younger generation, the millennials, you know, mm-hmm. that don't need the same support, who are very different creatures with their very different habits. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we need to look more into technology solutions and, and be more up to date with 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 various demographics and not just focusing on the older population. Like the old school. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. So it's time to sort of update how they see Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You need to take a step back. And whether that would be engaging in a think tank of young, you know, either graduate students and understanding if you were to relocate or if you're from another country, what were your challenges? Here's our model. You know, break it down. Fix it. Give us something fresh. Give us something mm-hmm. new. Mm-hmm. That maybe is what we need to do. Because we keep, I, I see that the industry, I'm not going to say we, keep swirling um, around very the same topics all the time mm-hmm. and, and we just need to take a step back get outside the box yeah and, and really look at innovate innovative right. solutions yeah because when i mean honestly when i when my first thought of relocation i think of a container right and um now i know people are talking about um talent mobility yes right so that's important. We're not moving stuff or houses. We're moving talent. Yeah, and, and what do they need? Um, and like you said, it, it might not even be a millennial, but there might be a demographic where they don't even, the stuff isn't what's important. No. It's maybe moving their skills or, or expanding mm-hmm. what region they're in. I was just actually talking to someone here who is Italian and he's um, in the service industry and he's, he's so happy to be in the Middle East in the service industry because he wants to add that to his resume, mm-hmm. right? 
and then he wants to go to this other region and do it. And that, like, he has a vision. So for him, it's not so much about the housing or his things. It's more mm-hmm. about um, getting the geographical experience. Yeah, absolutely. So we got some more to do. So why do you think it's not changing rapidly? I mean, everything mm-hmm. seems to be... Yeah, that's a very good question. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's lack of financial resources, lack of vision, lack of the um, necessary human element, the staff to to to, to develop and implement. Mm-hmm. I or maybe it's all of the above. I'm, right. I'm not sure. I, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will be kudos to the companies that that can, you know, be fresh and be free thinking and offer solutions to workforces that are mobile that really benefit them and add value. And and if they can measure that ROI even better because Mm -hmm. then they can prove to companies how valuable it is. Right. Okay, so now I'm going to ask another question that might be, um, I don't know how popular it's going to be, but one of the things, I'm an intercultural strategist Mm -hmm. and a coach, so, you know, I've done intercultural training. Mm -hmm. Um, Companies often ask for pre-departure training or training upon arrival. And I was approached by a very large organization to do basically welcome to fill in the blank of the country. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, nope, (laughs) not going to do that because you can read about that. You can buy a book on that. You can find that out online. What we need to do is develop people's intercultural competencies, how they manage uncertainty, build resilience. Absolutely. And maybe my perspective of the relocation is outdated, but when I was looking into what they offer, I felt like the model was outdated, yeah, that it was still, absolutely. you know, moving to China. Yeah, you shake your hand, don't shake your hand, don't eat what's on your plate. That's not relevant. We can we can Google that yeah. in, in five minutes and have all of the information that we need. But resilience is a good one. I, right? I feel oftentimes I will meet uh, an employer or a family who's transferring in, and, and my gut instinct will tell me in the first five minutes mm-hmm. whether they can cut it or not. Yeah. Not a, it's not about shipping. It's not about anything else besides yep. just their 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 inner traits. You right. Know, you know? So, I mean, the reason why that gets me so hard is because um, whatever budget is put in to training is going to training that ticks a box. And also for the person who's feeling like they want to prepare, they think they're getting prepared, but they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually like a... Um, it's setting them up to, to fail because they feel security when they're not standing on a safe floor. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what I've done, I have a thing where um, I help with building resilience and finding purpose and meaning and connecting with mm-hmm. local cultures. But like when you're there, Yes. Not when you're overwhelmed anyway and you're not consuming information. Yeah, have right? a million things on your checklist and it's right? not, you're not present. And yeah. not the day you get there and you're totally yeah, jet lagged exactly. and nothing is sinking. And, it, and I, you know, it's the only one on the market that's like that. And I'm like, why? 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 Why is this not obvious to Clicking. people? Yes. Right? You know, ironically, um, in the last few years, we had a client in the cybersecurity space who offered their new hires very large salaries because they had a very specific technical skill and did mm-hmm. quite large batch hiring 60 uh you know 60 employees in every month so it was quite a large rotation mm-hmm. but after a few years um they were noticing their retention rate was dismal mm-hmm. and they they had no idea why so you know they started asking you know it took them a mm-hmm. little time to start asking <laughs> their staff why and the, and uh, the feedback was that the while the compensation was great, they had, the employees didn't feel they were supported, mm-hmm. weren't utilized properly, weren't um, engaged by the company. Their 
for for an offer to support. Yeah. Um, and when we did a cost modeling for them and we said, okay, look at the packages, look at what you've spent in terms of shipping, flights, mm -hmm. temporary accommodation, visas, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the, the last um, um, projects. And then look at what it would take to, to put in a better training or integration mm -hmm. mechanism when people come in. Um, it, it's it's a no-brainer. But still, they don't do it. It makes me wild. <laughs> I know, It too. makes me wild. Okay, so, I mean, the research, it varies. But, like, I hear, you know, one annual salary. Mm -hmm. It could be $300,000. Yeah, you know, and it's like for two thousand bucks, I think we see the return on the investment. Exactly. And this is the thing: what I notice is that people from all the kind of companies we've talked about come to me, but not through their company. They come to me as individuals, mm -hmm. right? Because they're not getting supported, yes. and they are struggling. And I think there's a couple of things going on there. One, um, they might not want to be flagged as a problematic family. Yes. Mm -hmm. Don't right? want to speak up. Don't want to rock the boat. Right. Don't want to look like they're not resilient. Mm -hmm. So they might not go through the official channels. Some are really amazing. Like I've had some companies that actually fund the company partner to, mm -hmm. you know, find a new direction, et cetera. But what I've noticed is sometimes it's as simple as I knew this would be hard I didn't know it would be this hard, right? Mm -hmm. And um, to have that validation of, yeah, it, there's nothing wrong with me that this is hard. And now I have a sparring partner to sort of find a solution rather than feeling like you're being swallowed by a wave or mm -hmm. you're doing something wrong or you're hiding it from your partner because yes. you're the one you that caused the, yeah. right? <laughs> the whole yeah. move. And God forbid if they find out you're not happy, right? Yeah. And um, I just feel like we need a culture shift. Yeah. It, it, it's... And I don't think it's expensive. It's not. Right? It's, Actually, I think it's saving money when you think about is. all the money. When you do the modeling, it, it, it's it, this was taking actual data. Yeah. You, it, it, and it was millions of this currency, so three to one to the yeah. dollar. But, but still, the, the amount, and I don't know if it's because the people that see it and get it don't know what to do with it, mm -hmm. don't feel like that they would get traction internally, or when you know companies are downsizing or looking at budgets, this looks like a soft, fluffy mm -hmm, thing. Mm -hmm. That why would we spend money on that when we can have something tangible? Right. Yeah, I I'm, I don't know why companies don't embrace it more, but mm -hmm. they, they tend not to. I yeah, it makes me crazy <laughs> because honestly, we don't have business problems with people problems, yeah. right? Like it's about it's about that. And I also hate the word soft skills because it sounds like hard versus easy true it right does. it makes me because it's not and and um managing uncertainty is hard mm -hmm. building up your resilience is hard yes very right challenging. not judging mm -hmm. is hard staying flexible is hard those are hard things mm -hmm. right and we're not we're not even biologically programmed like that we're basically going against biology yeah. right to not judge but because a company can't measure it right <laughs> and exactly. chart it or put it into right? a spreadsheet or <laughs> so I guess for me I guess that's true so that's really good insight so that's a call out to let's say the training industry the coaching mm -hmm. industry to say maybe you should figure that out mm -hmm. like how do you then chart it I have you know testimonials it's qualitative information I do have some quantitative like if their performance from their team goes up by 18%, mm -hmm. but um, systematically, what are coaching initiatives doing to measure the ROI? You're right, but it's like, can, can you, is there an empathy scale that we want to <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You could totally cheat on that too, I think. Yeah, true, true. <laughs>
We're always just like, I have, you know, there's so much knowledge I have, right, about intercultural stuff, but you trigger me and you get me tired and I will snap, you know, like <laughs> my poor husband, you know, if it's like trying, in that instance, the knowing is not applied when you're under pressure or whatever it is. Yeah. All right. So that's, so thank you for letting me vent about what I think needs to change. I think it's important that we have the conversations. Um, so if anybody's listening in the industry, this is in the spirit of we can do better and actually let's let's have a conversation what that would look like right and encouraging people in the relocation industry to reach out to their people or to practitioners and say how can we do better right right so it's not meant as criticism it's more like i feel like i have a glimpse behind the curtain they don't have right like people tell me things that they don't tell their of course right so why don't they listen um, because it's what their people really want to say, but don't dare, yeah. you know? So what do you think is really, what are they doing really well right now? Our in- the relocation the industry. industry. Yeah. Um, good question. I think that they're trying to listen to clients' uh, requirements and retool some of their traditional offerings. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a traditional five-day home search isn't really required because there's a lot of information on a website and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, you don't need to drive somebody around for multiple days. Uh, you know, yeah. maybe that's not required, but they need something that's a little bit different. It's uh, flexible. It could be off hours. It could be more guidance. It could be more uh, counseling toward, have you considered this, 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 this? Okay, now that you're at a place where you've made a decision. Here's how we're going to support you. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's, it's really trying to redefine traditional programs. Yeah. And I do see some of it. And mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, it's, it's more the smaller, flexible boutique companies that I mm-hmm. say, wow, right, great, you know, yeah, bravo, right? Right. not the big uh, mm-hmm. relocation companies um, mm-hmm. that are doing more of it. But, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I hope to see that can that trend continue continue mm-hmm. yeah so the the young the um, the more boutique companies are maybe trendsetters i think so improving a model so that the bigger companies will see that it's safe and be able to experiment with it yes um that's important and it's, i think that the smaller boutique companies oftentimes try to be more service oriented mm-hmm. and, and really look at the staff that they have and take staff that have relocated and and um, understand the human element mm-hmm. a little bit more than just the transactional element. Right. So. so this isn't a two-way street, right? Mm-hmm. We, If we are moving and I'm working with a relocation company, mm-hmm. I also have a responsibility True. to make the most of it. What tips do you have, having been on the relocation side, for expats who want to make the most of their work with the relocation company? What should we do when we're engaging with our relocation company? That's a good question. I mean, I guess it initially, uh, it, it, it tends to be based on the package that you're mm-hmm. offered by your organization. A lot of com- people don't even have access to relocation mm-hmm. companies because mm-hmm. their companies don't support that. Uh, but, you know, I think that um, oftentimes maybe the, the point person that they're working with isn't the most knowledgeable or uh, maybe the most worldly. Mm-hmm. So it's asking the questions of, well, do you have a colleague in XY destination mm-hmm. who could assist me with this? Asking for that connectivity because mm-hmm. these relocation companies have vast connectivity. They have 
global resources and people who mm-hmm. are on the ground in that destination com- country who will know the answers. But oftentimes there's that fear of connection, like, oh, you mm-hmm. know, they don't put you in connection with the people who right. can answer this. You know? So, yes, I think mm-hmm. as, a, as a person relocating, don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. Ask for, uh, you know, expertise. Ask for an alternative contact in the country that you're going to to ask more questions. Things like mm-hmm. that. Um, I, I don't see people knowing to ask or asking often. It makes me think about, uh, there's a word in German that comes up for me, it's selbstverständlich, like it's obvious, Uh, right? (laughs) And, um, And so for me, it's like, well, of course, if they knew someone in the area, they would have contacted them. And that's not true. No. So what you're saying is we That's need... going outside the box. That's right. not on the check sheet. That's right. not on the... <laughs> right. But it's also, it is also, um, from the expat perspective, if we've built intercultural competencies in our years abroad, mm-hmm. we have to use them with the people that are, let's say, domestically located. We can't treat them like they're an expat. And under, you know what I mean? Yeah, we have to yeah. also put our hat on and go what is their frame of reference? What will be obvious for them? And I think that we need to do that. And it's hard to do that when you're tired. Stressed. I get it. But it's kind of like, this is how we can help ourselves by putting that hat on. That's good. Okay. So we've talked a lot about relocation, but you are the head of expat woman here. Yes. um, Which I have a a connection with in my heart because back when I started my own company, I did an expat series for expat woman. Um, and that's where I, I shared that picture of you yes. where I'm featured next to Sting. I died laughing. I'll try to include that in the show notes or something. But I, when I saw it on the internet, I was like, I'm right next to Sting. Like, how did this happen? Right? Um, so tell us about why Expat Woman? Why does it exist? What does sure. it Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, the founder of Expat Woman is Jane Drury. She was a career uh, professional with Unilever, um, relocating around the world. And she relocated with her husband and two two boys at the time, maybe, uh, at, into the UAE, three boys, sorry. Mm-hmm. And um, it was the early 2000s when uh, it was a little bit tougher than it is yeah. now. And there, there was a, a feeling of small villages. And she mm-hmm. wanted to develop something that supported women who were relocating to a, a new country, whether it was um, a hardship posting, not, mm-hmm. you know, just the emotions and the infrastructure around it. So she created Expat Woman in 2002. Yep. I met her shortly thereafter in 2003. Um, being a woman starting up a, a logistics and relocation company in the Middle East was challenging. <laughs> right, right time at the right place, I'll Understood. tell you. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, and so I quickly felt a kindred mm-hmm. uh, connection with her and started working um with her on programs for the expats that we were working with. Mm. Luckily, my organization at the time um, secured several of the large uh, financial and insurance companies coming into DIFC. Mm. So we had a lot of uh, people relocating in, and it was a, it was a natural fit. So she was building, you know, ways for them to connect and integrate and have information. Wonderful. And uh, starting face the to face. Face to face. Well, and a, lot, a lot of events. Um, it was a lot of coffee mornings, events, mm-hmm. things, getting them together, yeah. uh, programs, seminars, and then the online developed. And when oh, the okay. online developed, and then that became the repository for mm-hmm. information and communication, mm-hmm. and it started to expand. So it no longer was just in the UAE. If you look on the mm-hmm. website, we're in several locations now, mm-hmm. offering content support um, activities, uh, a community. 
for women. Now, our viewership is 65% women, so mm -hmm. there are still men mm -hmm. that utilize our site. Even yeah. past clients would say, oh, we love your site because there's so much information so much. on good. there. Um, but in the social media realm, it is, it is um, only like women that are yeah. allowed. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and why only women? Like what, and I have my own ideas on this, yeah. why that's important, but why do you think it's important that the the female experience is accentuated? Well, I think that um, think times are changing. We all right. know that women are being hired in, in, in roles and they're also um, the transferring professional, but traditionally it's mm -hmm. been the woman has been the, um, a company partner. partner. Yeah, I was trying to think of the PC term right, right now. Right. Um, <laughs> now, now they're saying accompanying talent, okay, which I okay. love. Yes, yes. Okay, so yeah. Um, so you, you know, providing that support. Uh, but you know, with women, I find that we are very open and um, uh, transparent and want to help each other. Where maybe men aren't uh, so much mm -hmm. like that. We tend to share share, bring mm -hmm. along, cooperate. Mm -hmm. And so it's easier to build that sense of community and that cooperation mm -hmm. with the base of women. Um, so that is the focus. You yep. can't do everything. And then this is this is expat woman's niche. Um, on social media, it's a completely different dynamic. You right. know, you want to people, women to have a safe place to, mm -hmm. to express their views and not mm -hmm. fear that somebody's going to try and you know, write them notes and try to, mm -hmm. you know, meet them or, or whatever. So, you know, it, it's quite strict yeah. on that. Just a side note <laughs> to any man who's listening. No, yeah. we do not want you to send us an image of yourself yes, or exactly. any part of any, your body no, absolutely in a direct not. message. <laughs> yeah. And we have no idea. No, just no. Yes. How is that a good idea? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and so, I don't know if men know that happens. Like the good guys, do they know they that happens? They don't. They probably don't know. Or they would be astounded to find out that, you know, even on LinkedIn it happens. You, you don't, oh, how does it yes, happen? Like, I know. I get these creepy messages. Yes. Like, no, the yes. answer is not a so, good idea. Yeah. So it's trying to guard that. that yeah. You know, that confidentiality, confidentiality but also that that spirit of community yeah totally mm -hmm. and and um from a communication perspective what i know from my communication background is that conversations um are different if there's a room of women there's a conversational topic if you had one man in the room yeah. the conversation shifts so it gives women a safe space and doesn't that does not mean that men don't need a safe space True. they absolutely do absolutely yes. Um, but it's it's about creating a space personally as, um, you know, having lived in the Western world my most of my life, um, I would want to know, what do I need to know as a woman, mm -hmm. for example, in the Middle East? Like, what are some of the things culturally I need to know? How do I navigate this space? How do I lead in this cultural context? I would be really curious. Um, and that answer would look different for a male leader and a female Absolutely. leader. Absolutely. It does. So that's so interesting. So, um what else? So I, I want to know if people want to get in contact with you or there's mm -hmm. something that you really believe in, how should they get in contact with you and what do you want them to check out next? Well, okay. So I am the editor and monitor here mm -hmm. in, um, in Qatar. Mm -hmm. So if you, you know, apply to join Facebook, then that's who you're interacting with. You're interacting mm -hmm. with me. You can also reach out to me through the, the website, the platform. Um, I'm not going to say daily, but at least two to three times a week, I do have ladies reaching out to me saying, oh, we're going to be coming to Qatar. I hear mm -hmm. this school is full. Do you have any recommendations? So it's almost like I utilize my relocation hat quite a bit here nice. in trying to give guidance and, and support. 
I, I try to give information, try to be non-biased, um, mm-hmm. but I try to draw the line there because mm-hmm. it becomes very difficult. I've year, learned in years of being in relocation that people need that friend in the, in the mm-hmm. new location and I can't be friends with everybody. So please, you know, I hope that people understand that if I'm not or chattily or, yep. you know, don't invite, yep. accept you into my personal Facebook space right. or something like that. It's not anything personal. It's just, mm-hmm. there's only so much uh, bandwidth to support people. Right. So, yeah. right. And there are amazing people out there that do there that support are. who are qualified are. to do that. You do your job I leading. Hope I can connect you yep. to people that are similar or can support you or give you options or give you an outlet. And then that's what I enjoy and I and I hope that's what I can bring to the community. That's excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why I do um, Expat Coach Coalition. I have a group of expat coaches who are focused on global mobility so that there's more than me. There's people yeah. out there around <laughs> the world to be that person, yes. right? But not a friend, a neutral third party. Yes which has know-how on how to do the hard stuff, right? And that's different, and I think that's important. So thank you for all the work that you've done for the expat community (laughs) over the years. I think it's wonderful, and thank thank you for coming here in person. Absolutely. So this whole conversation has essentially looked at how can we, going forward, when we're looking at the chaos and trying to find out how we adapt to these challenges. Where do we come out on the other side? When we're looking specifically at global mobility and relocation, what's been working that we should keep doing? What's broken that needs to be fixed? I know that for myself, I'm on a mission to support expats just in time with the real things they're struggling with. I'm fed up with pre-departure training And what I want instead is to help expats with their real challenges right when they're having them so that they can make the best of their lives abroad. That's why I created the program Adapt and Succeed, which is packaged in a flexible way so that people can get the support with what they need right when they need it. And it's a way for organizations to support the thousands of individuals they're setting around the world. And yes, this makes an impact, but I know that together we're stronger. And that's why I've invited a host of other professional coaches to join me in Expat Coach Coalition so they can be by my side as we serve individuals and organizations. If you want to be part of Expat Coach Coalition and go through this four-month program, which not only teaches you the tools to serve expats globally that have been tested for over a decade, but also amplifies how you can be showing up in your business, both for individuals and organizations, then I want to talk to you because our application process will be closing at the end of this week. And I want to talk to you because together we are stronger. Remember, you've been listening to Expat Happy Hour with Sunday Schneider Bean. Thank you for listening. I'll leave you with an anonymous quote. Sometimes our lives have to be completely shaken up, changed, and rearranged to relocate us to the place we're meant to be. Um. <laughs>